Whole sports are plays. Whole sports are plays. Whole sports are plays. We're making a place. We're talking the game, get you to the days. We're high in the court, they're dying in the lane. Variety topics, living the same. All the citations, sports information. In the airways, taking the nation. All sport, all plays, they're working your faces. Grace at the field, so tie the laces. All sports, all plays. All right, what is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Drawing and Balling with the with the gentlemen ourselves. Of course, as always, I got Amon with me. Amon, how are you tonight, sir? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How about you? I'm um, I'm living a dream, sir. Joe, we got Joe. Luckily, we thought for a second there we were going to have Joe. We just got a very cryptic message, like Aaron Rodgers. He's like going without me. <laughs> Amon and I are very confused. We're like, what has happened to Joe? Okay. <laughs> Joe, how are you, man? I'm doing fine. Listen, family comes first. Unless I can pass it off to somebody else, then uh, you guys come first. Exactly. And uh, I'll be 100% honest with y'all. If if nobody has ever, if people have watched the show and you wonder why I have a mustache, um, I am actually playing in a very B-rated copy of Super Troopers um, <laughs> with a website that is you know in black and gold that we're not going to disclose because this is a family show. We're not going to go into that. Um, which I know Joe is like, that is such bull crap. Um, I will keep my mouth shut. <laughs> but, uh, but obviously, you know, we, we, unfortunately we didn't get to talk about it last show, but we, we do need to talk about uh, kind of a significant NFL move here. Uh, considering the fact of everything that's happened to this man and that there's still an organization that is quote, willing to take a chance on him considering all the things that are happening right now. And that is Brian Flores, uh, being hired on with the Steelers to serve as, if I remember right, it's a defensive like a defensive advisor. I remember senior right, defensive assistant, I believe, was his official title. Okay, so it's like you, and then linebackers coach. Linebacker. Yeah, which I'm like, like just making the defensive coordinator. Like just, just do it. Like you cut, cut the middleman out. Don't, don't worry about all the fancy. Just be like, yeah, he's gonna be our defensive coordinator. Like whoever is there, you're fired. It's Brian Flores now. Um, Amon, I'll start with you. Do you, do you think this kind of helps him further solidify? No, no matter how this whole lawsuit thing goes, if he drops the lawsuit, if he doesn't, do you think this solidifies his chance to just be like, hey? while everything is going on, I'm still one hell of a coach and all you organizations are passing up the opportunity to be successful with me running the ship. Yeah, I think absolutely. And he's keeping himself in the game. I think that's a very important part. You sometimes coaches, they leave and they could kind of stagnant. They get stuck in their old ways and he's finding ways to continue to adapt to a new system in Pittsburgh that he hasn't been in uh, with new players, new personnel, new coaches. And I think the more you can learn, the the better you'll be just in your overall life. And I just, that's a rule of life career, no matter what it is. I think Einstein had the quote of you're not living your, if you're not learning, you're not growing. And if you're not growing, you're just going to be stale. And that's kind of how, it is in the NFL. If you're not learning, you're not growing. And if you're not growing, you're not doing anyone any good. I think for Brian Flores, you go into Pittsburgh, you say, look, I'm trying to be here, learn. And I think he's going to do a good job. I mean, we know that he's going to pretty much be in control of that defense. He's got TJ Watt in that linebacker's room. So not much wrong. I uh, can go wrong there. So um, I like the move from Brian Flores. Go in. Also, the Rooney rule comes from Art Rooney. So it makes a lot of sense to go in there and, um, you know, be in a place that historically has been a little bit more 
progressive in their head coaching hires. So I think it's a great move for Brian Flores to keep himself in the game and to keep himself say, hey, look, I'm still available if you want me as a head coach. So so when I said that, I, I kind of had a little bit of a crazy, a crazy realization because we think about how long Mike Tomlin has been the head coach of the Steelers now. He's been the head coach of the Steelers for a very, very long time. Since mm-hmm. what, 2004, if I remember right, 2005? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was Ben's second Super Bowl is when he is when he became head coach. Mm-hmm. So he's been a head coach for a long time. He's never had a losing season. You know, he's the second longest tenured coach right behind Bill Belichick being with being with one team. Do you think that given the fact that now Pittsburgh is kind of heading down this dark path of now for the first time in like 20 years, they don't have a franchise quarterback anymore. We don't necessarily think Mason Rudolph is the answer. We don't think Dwayne Haskins is the answer. And it's not like there's a whole lot of great college quarterbacks coming out of this particular draft. So Joe, I'm going to ask you, do you think at some point this could just kind of be the perfect transition of if Mike Tomlin decides I don't want to go out on a bad way. I want to go out at least on a high note, never have a losing record. He can say he's done. He could potentially go to another team, maybe do something else, take his talents elsewhere, kind of solidify his. And then the Steelers can say, hey, we have another great coach, another great defensive coach that we think can still continue to keep the franchise afloat and relevant. And do you think they could eventually hand the keys over to Brian Flores and then he takes over one of the most really stable franchises in NFL history. I think that would be the worst thing that could possibly happen. I would actually consider that a nuclear option. I think the reason for that is, is number one, we've only seen three head coaches in the past, what, 45, 50 years of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We went from Chuck Noll to Bill Cowher, Bill Cowher to Mike Tomlin. If you look around, they did not promote from within. Now, they were close after Cowher left. I think it was Mike Munchak was maybe the uh, the guy yeah. who was the front runner for the job, and then Tomlin came in and got it. But they usually go outside of the system. I think that this is actually a bad move for Brian Flores. It feels a little bit too much on point. I agree with him on. He needs to stay in the league. He is obviously beyond qualified to coach anything on defense. Like To me, there's Raheem Morris and there's Brian Flores. You know, If you want to talk about guys who just can really any level of the defense, you know, whether it's linebackers, secondary, defensive coordinators, they can coach it all. Really, really well respected and knowledgeable guys. But it's a little too on the point. We're coming into draft season. You ever see like, oh, the prospect with the team match and it's just a little too perfect. Mm-hmm. And then when they don't go together, you're like, well, that's kind of a good thing because it almost seems like there'd be too much pressure. Like Mike Tomlin is one of only two African-American coaches. Yes, Mike McDaniel is a minority, but he is of oh, three. But, you know, don't forget Lovey Smith. Th- I'm saying two. I'm oh, Lovey Smith and Mike Tomlin. But okay, Mike McDaniel yeah. is another minority, but oh, he yeah. – I mean not trying to, you know, get into a whole debate about semantics, but like Mike McDaniel does not look like Mike Tomlin or Lovey Smith. Fair or unfair. So again, like I think it's fine. My question would be this. What does Brian Flores want to get out of this? Because we've seen guys get hired out of non-coordinator positions. We've seen it from the McVay tree on offense where guys who are offensive coordinators or offensive passing assistants or whatever get hired. Mike Tomlin was, I believe, the defensive backs coach from Minnesota and got hired to Pittsburgh. Like We've seen guys get jobs from this. He's not going to give up the lawsuit. He's not going to do this. My biggest thing is him being in Pittsburgh is one benefit and one benefit only. If him and Mike Tomlin are able to have a sit-down, real, open and honest conversation with the Rooney family and be like, 
you, you know, you're part of the league. You're, you're one of the 32 that we're suing, you know, or the, you know, that he's suing. What do you see as a solution? What do you see is the problem? Like you didn't ask that the rule be named after you, but obviously when people hear the Rooney rule, they know what it's about. I, I, so I think that access is really good and really important, but again, he kind of limited himself where he was going to go. He's obviously not going to go to any of the teams that he interviewed for. He wasn't going to go in the Belichick tree. So take the Raiders off, you know, because McDaniels is there. Even a guy like Shanahan, who I think he would work really well in San Francisco. Shanahan is a really close friend of Bill Belichick. So I'm sure Flores looked at that and said, no. So really his options were very small and limited when you look at the scope around the league. And I think he was smart to take this, but Mm -hmm. I, I just, I don't like it. Yeah, and, and I kind of agree because I, I kind of agree that with, with Amon and the fact of I think he needed this because I th- I think this is where and I, I don't want to dive too deep into the Colin Kaepernick thing, but I think with, with Kaepernick, the, the big thing was he started to focus more on the issue that he was trying to get awareness of rather than trying to balance what he was doing in the league and his play as well as the message he was trying to send. And I think he let his play start to deteriorate. Whereas I, and had he not done that, I think he could have stayed in the league and continued to put his message, you know, somewhere at whatever team would have taken, would have taken him for his services. Mm-hmm. I think Brian Flores doing this is showing, is starting to show the, is starting to show that. Now my big thing is, is can he continue that? Can he continue to show while yes, I am fighting this in the background, yes, I am dealing with the lawsuit, mm-hmm. I'm still able to coach a phenomenal team with great talent because like Amon said, you do have TJ Watt, you get Minka Fitzpatrick back, who mm-hmm. they traded while you were there, so you do have a good secondary piece at least, as well as a great linebacker. You know, <clears throat> well, I think it is a little bit beneath him to you know basically go back to you know, not even really being a full coordinator, just being, you know, an assistant Position coach. coach. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think, you know, it keeps his name relevant. It keeps him out there and it, it gives him a chance because somebody's going to be like, well, you know, uh, despite all this, some franchise somewhere, whether, and I hope to God for his sake, it's not Jacksonville. It's not Detroit. It's not New York <laughs> is going to say, we really want this guy as our head coach because mm-hmm. we want to win. We want to have some type of success. And for him, I think if he can continue to do that and just show, Hey, I can still coach my ass off and I can still be a great coach that somebody's going to be like, you know what? Screw it. We're going to take this guy issues or no issues, you know, off the field and we're going to support him 100% because he deserves to be able to run a franchise. And and let's not forget either. Like he's a, he, he's as focused on the defense as, as anybody in the league. Like we saw the game plan that he and Belichick came up with against the Rams in the Super Bowl, but mm-hmm. he's not above pettiness either. Don't forget yeah. when he was the coach in Miami, I believe it was Kenny Stills was wide receiver and he was kind of in a beef with, I think a rapper and yeah. He was playing that rapper's music during practice, and somebody asked him about it. He goes, listen, I don't pick the music, man. And everybody kind of knew, like, uh, yeah, but you do. You so, do. like, we can we can support him in his cause. We can respect him in his ability on the defense. But we can also say, yeah, but you're kind of a prick, too. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, to be honest with you, too, and I, I kind of agree with what people were saying when they were talking about, you know, 
you know, some sometimes people respond to that negatively. Sometimes they respond positively. To be mm-hmm. honest with you, I think sometimes that causes guys to respond the best. Like I get, mm-hmm. I get being a player's coach, and I also get you know the old school kind of stern coach. But you gotta have a balance a lot of times. If you don't have yeah. a balance, that that's when you start to fail because either you're too soft, you know, and you you basically get fired because you're you're not hard enough to get the best out of the players, or you're a Matt Patricia and you think. The Patriot way, the exact copy of it is how this works, even though you don't have guys there that mm-hmm. are really true team leaders and true team impact players and can really help kind of convey that message in your locker room. Like you don't have a Tom Brady, you don't have a Wes Wilker, you don't have these guys that have had actual success for 10 years with somebody that not only implemented this, but has shown that it can work. Matt Patricia is just a crappy copycat that can't work so yeah that that to me i would say is my big thing and i i know brian and i think brian does have a good balance of that mm-hmm. i just think for the whole miami thing on top of the the extra stuff that went on you know i think once he gets more of a say in what he wants because obviously he has an eye for talent because he said mm-hmm. hey i want justin herbert not to a you know <laughs> i yeah. if i'm a franchise <laughs> i'm gonna be like i want that guy Speaking of Matt Patricia, somebody told me a joke a long time ago. It says Matt Patricia is what happens when Eric Mangini can't control his diabetes, which is just a really mean joke. I mean, you're not wrong, though. You're not wrong. <laughs> Amon doesn't want to say anything. That is brutal. That is brutal. <laughs> I mean, just think, you give you give Matt Patricia a few years, he gets that white beard, I'm going to start calling him Wilford Brimley. Oh my god. Because he has diabetes. He puts the D in Detroit and diabetes. So don't <laughs> worry. <laughs> um, so we'll move to college a little bit. Um, and obviously this is something that it broke it broke a year ago. Um, I actually put this out on my own personal podcast and kind of gave a um gave an idea about it. Um so obviously Texas and Oklahoma University are joining the SEC uh in football and college basketball. So out of those two sports, uh, Joe, I'll start with you. Do you think Texas or Oklahoma can potentially win either either basketball or football title in the SEC? Now, that can be long-term, that can be immediate, or do you think they both made a huge mistake trying to see if they can hang with the big boys, try to you know revamp their market, and do you think they're ultimately probably just going to try to go back to – the big 12 or another, another division at some point. Well, I think two things can be true. I think they've made a huge mistake by making this decision decision. We talked about it, you know, the last show a little bit about like what's going on. Who's going to be the best team with the big 12 while also referencing this move of Texas and Oklahoma to the sec. But here's the thing about it again, like it's a bad decision right now in five years, how do we know that there's not going to be three super conferences and they would eventually ended up there anyway? How do we know that the NIL deals basically just become like a salary cap where every school is limited to a certain amount? So for right now in this, can they win a title? Sure. How, how do we know they can win a title? Because when we look at the final four schools, the final five schools for which list of football, a lot of them are Texas and Oklahoma. So we know guys are at least considering it. In mm-hmm. basketball, let's not forget, Kevin Durant went to Texas. They have a history of, of success in Texas. And if you go to the SEC, which is really a powerhouse in basketball, I'm not even sure who the last SEC school to win a title is. What, Arkansas? I mean, Kentucky. With, with, I'm sorry, Kentucky. Yeah. Kentucky. Okay, so aside from Kentucky, who's in the SEC? 
Yeah, true. I mean, if you if you think about it, really, basketball is where a lot of these SEC teams, if they don't do great in football, they succeed in basketball. That's, yeah, it's one or the other. T- yeah. Tennessee, Auburn, Kentucky, at least this year, those are your three big SEC teams that are mm-hmm. absolutely killing. I mean, Bama, kind of. They've been in mm-hmm. and out of like the top 25, but really, you know, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Auburn have been your big three at least college-wise in the SEC. So can Texas jump in there if they get another recruit like a Durant with the NIL deals? We know. What's the thing about Texas? They've got unlimited amounts of money to throw around, whether it be for coaching, the NIL deals, all that stuff. So when these kids start coming up, the next Zion Williamson, the next R.J. Barrett, the next, you know, whoever, um, James Wiseman, whoever you want to, you know, talk about, when those guys come up, Texas has the pocketbook, and I'm sure Oklahoma does too. They've got a lot, but like that's when I think of big money in college athletics, I think of USC, I think of Texas. You know, those are schools that I think of that just seem to have unlimited amounts of money to throw at whatever problem they have. And going to the SEC is going to be a problem, and they're going to throw money at it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would say too, I think a lot of what what helps with schools like Texas, Oklahoma, USC is even though they're maybe not as relevant today as they were back in the day, mm-hmm. the back in the day is what they're is what they're really going off of. Because mm-hmm. you think about, you know, pre-2009, who was probably your your two biggest schools that were almost always contending for a championship and were almost always relevant? Texas and Oklahoma, because you had players like Vince Young, you know, for uh, football, you had, um, hell, you had Earl Thomas playing for Texas. Um, You had AP for, you know, Oklahoma, you had Sam Bradford, like you had a lot of big name players coming out of this, you know, making impacts, at least just on the football side. And then, like you said, Joe, you have Kevin Durant, um, at least just for Texas. I know there's a big Oklahoma. Uh, Blake Griffin went to Oklahoma. Yeah, Blake Griffin. Trey Young also went to Oklahoma. Yeah, Trey Young. Young. So, I mean, again, right there, you're talking, you know, there's three names when you look at the past 15, 20 years of basketball. You know, I mean, obviously, Trey Young is still young, Blake Griffin, but like they're name recognition. People know who they are. Exactly. And, and yeah, so, so to me, you know, I think, I think that's what they, they bank on a lot. Same with USC. I mean, you look at all the players that are coming to USC, Reggie Bush, Matt Leiner, um, Carson Palmer, and those are just, I don't really want to say recent names, but I mean they're they're probably the names that either had the most college success yeah. or had the most NFL success. Keyshawn uh, Johnson was on the cover of Sports Illustrated with the big number one, you know, going to USC. Like, and I mean, even though we we probably think he's a bust, Sam Darnold came from USC, and I mean he was he was a top draft pick, you know, a few years Juju ago. Juju Smith-Schuster came from USC. Yeah, yeah. Juju. So, um, Amon, to you, do you? So, to you, do you think that? Out of, out of these two teams right now, and to me, I feel like Oklahoma took the biggest hit because they lost Lincoln Riley, which was a big attraction name, and then you have all these five-star athletes decommitting from Oklahoma and going to USC. Which school do you think makes an immediate impact right now as is? In the football world, can I say none of the above? <laughs> I don't yeah, think there's yeah. really a team that's that's going to make a splash. Again, I don't know what Quinn Edwards is going to translate into in college football, but I know he's not going to turn Texas football around just like that. Um, I think in the long run, Oklahoma might actually be better off without Lincoln Riley. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but they go and get Brett Venable, right, who is a defensive guy. And I think that's the one thing Oklahoma's always struggle with. Defensively, they've never been very good. And I'm not saying Brent is going to fix the entirety of that defense, but I think they'll be a little bit more focused on that defensive side of things. I think in the short term, yeah, you're going to lose the five-star quarterbacks. Hell, you lost two of them 
in the span of like two months. You lost Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams. Like that, that doesn't, that doesn't happen. Right. Uh, both were number one in their recruiting class and you lost both within a couple months. So yeah, you're going to struggle in the short term if you're Oklahoma, but at least in the sec where defense is going to matter, the trenches are going to matter. I have a little bit more faith in Oklahoma to say the next five years than I would say Texas. Yeah. And, and I could agree with that. And I, I would argue that really for a lot of the Big 12 teams, like when you think of Big 12 teams, you know, you don't really think of defense. You know, you think of the the Big 12 as more of one of those. You have a high powered air rating offense. You know, you look at Oklahoma the last few years, you know, you had uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown, you had CeeDee Lamb, you had Jalen Hurts, you had Baker, you had uh, Kyler, you had um, Colt McCoy uh, right before Lincoln got there. No, uh, no, Colt McCoy was Texas. Texas. Then who am I? Thinking? Yeah. Um, so I mean, you you have these you know high impact players that you know are just speedsters killing it down the field. Um, you might be thinking of Jason White, Amon. He won the Heisman out of Oklahoma, didn't he? It might have been the. Jeez. Uh, I think I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, old. That's a guy I know. Shut up. <laughs> no boomer. Um, since we got to incorporate that more in the show. Um, <laughs> Yeah, to to me, I think I think Oklahoma in the short term, but I'm I'm actually going to go the opposite. I think Texas for the long term, and I say that because really the only big Texas school you have in the SEC is Texas A and M. Now, to Texas A and M's defense, they are actually pretty consistent, and I I think that's because you know if you're looking if you're a college recruit. And especially if you want to stay close to home now, now that, you know, there's the internet, you have Instagram, you, you have more options to go to these different schools. It's like, if I want to stay close to home, if I'm in Texas and I want to go, but I want to compete in like a, basically a mini NFL, I want to go to the SEC. So I'm going to go to Texas A&M. And I think, I think Texas could actually hurt them a little bit because now you have two options. You can go to Texas A&M, which is kind of up and down, or you can go to Texas, which like Joe said, you're going to have a crap ton of money. You're going to have some of the best facilities and you're, it's a big brand name. It's going to be out there. Everybody knows Texas. Everybody knows, you know, hook them horns. Everybody knows Longhorn name. So I, th- I think long-term it can happen, but let's also be realistic until Nick Saban either dies or retires. The SEC is with Alabama's play toy. Just, unfortunately, you, that's just the, the realism <laughs> of, of the game is it's just Alabama's play toy, unfortunately. You were talking about the Big 12 and basically the way that they're designed. And, and it made me think of two video games that were very different in the way that the NFL was portrayed. One was NFL 2K, if you can remember that. That was kind mm-hmm. of the last really competitor with Madden. They were actually outselling Madden for a period of time. Mm-hmm. But they were an offensive-driven game. Like There are things like you could literally throw for 10000 yards in a season because that was the way the game was designed so that was the big 12 and then nfl blitz reminds me of the sec where yeah. it's just literally defense 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 and once in a while you're going to get a big play like they're just two vastly different conferences and i think that texas never seemed to fit into the the modern big 12 like yeah. they just always felt like an sec team they didn't feel like a good sec team but they felt like an sec team and oklahoma is the embodiment of the big 12 so this i don't know what they think they're doing like i, I don't know and i i would almost say it's kind of surprising too that you know the two team the two schools that are probably one of the biggest rivalries in college football is like hey you know what we should do together we should go to a harder conference together. Like who needs the big 12? And, you know, 
I guess Oklahoma would almost be like the big brother, and you've got Texas. It's like, yeah, let's go. And he's, um, okay. You sure? I, I guess you can come with me. You didn't really do great here, but okay. Like that's kind of how I, I that's kind of how I pictured that conversation in my head. It's just okay, Texas. If you want. Texas is literally Matthew McConaughey from Days and Confused. You know what I like about these universities? I keep getting worse, and they keep staying the same way. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> like, yeah, that that's exactly what that reminds me of. Um, I'm also, we'll, I don't know that movie. I, I don't know that movie. I couldn't. I I know all right, all right, all right. But I don't know that movie. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> Come on, Amon. Now you're making me feel old, man. Like, Dad, I <laughs> like I just turned 27, Amon. You can't. You can't be making. You're talking me feel about pre 2009 again. I don't remember a time where Texas or USC were good. Like I remember a KD a couple years ago when they went to Brooklyn or like I don't remember when the Knicks were good. It's like I I don't remember when Texas or USC were good. Mon, it was my birthday yesterday, so I'm just getting like late birthday presents at this point. This is the worst birthday present ever. I'm you, so sorry. You just said that. If you're going to call me a boomer, can I at least call him a spooner because I have to feed him all the information about stuff before he was, he was born? You know. Bo- yeah, boomer spooner. There we go. Boomer spooner. Go. That's a- <laughs> off-brand Oklahoma. <laughs> Speaking of Oklahoma, we're going to go to an old Oklahoma, well, old, probably old for Amon, Oklahoma quarterback in Kyler Murray. Um, do you think he should get extended? Because he he obviously had this weird thing. He's like, I'm going to unfollow Arizona. I'm going to remove all my photos. But then, no, 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 Arizona, I'm completely committed to you. I, I want to be paid my third year of my rookie contract. I want big money. I can be the leader of this franchise. And then sends them this really long, detailed explanation of why he deserves to be paid. And Arizona hasn't responded, and it's been a week. So, you know, Joe, I'll, I'll start with you. Should they even keep Kyler, or should they move on? Now, the other thing is, so they've extended Cliff Kingsbury to 2027. And Steve Kahn, the GM, yeah. And... Cliff and Kyler both have the same agent. So <laughs> like, like how, how bad is it going to be if Cliff is like, Hey man, you need to extend it. And then he's like, nah, Kyler, they're, they're going to say no. You're going to wait, what, what the hell you mean? No. How do you get the coach extended? But I don't. Let's just say they're not going to be uh, exchanging pleasantries in the agent's office for the next couple of months. Listen, this is such a Spooner story. This is something like, oh, I'm going to unfollow them on all the social media. Oh, I'm going to put out a release by my agent saying the two things I want most are to be an Arizona Cardinal long term and to win the Super Bowl. Just once, I'd like to see an NFL quarterback come out and be like, you know what? I want to get rich and screw the rest of y'all, which is basically what Aaron Rodgers has tattooed on his forehead. But not to, I know I already got the Rodgers digging, but. Listen, it comes down to this. In the last 10 years, there have been six quarterbacks who, after their third year, were extended for long term. Those quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, excuse me, uh, Ryan Tannehill. um, It's escaping me now. It was Ryan Tannehill. Oh, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. So you really have a 50-50 shot with this. The question Arizona has to ask themselves is, does he have the upside of a Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, aside from the legal trouble, or is he Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, or Ryan Tannehill in Miami? He falls apart at the end of the season. 
I shouldn't say he does. The team does. Cliff Kingsbury does in his play calling. The defense does. The offense does. Now, part of it's injuries. Part of it is bad luck. He looked like a lost puppy in the playoff game. He looked like he forgot how to play football. I came up with a contract extension that if I'm the Arizona Cardinals, and I'll put this out there to you guys, and then you can take with it as you wish. If I'm Arizona, I call him, I call his agent and say, listen, I have one offer for you. We're not talking about a contract extension until next year. You can take this or leave this. This is the deal. Six years, $225 million between 105 and 115 in guarantees, and we'll give you $70 million up front within the first year of signing. That's the deal. If you don't like it, then we'll talk to you next year. But we're not playing this pissing match back and forth between, you know, for the whole season. He's three years in. He has one season with a winning record, which has been this season. Stats and advanced stats show that he is a middle-of-the-road quarterback. Now, 70 touchdown passes, 20 rushing uh, touchdowns in his first three years, never been done by another quarterback. We know what he can be. But contracts aren't about what you were. They're about what you can be. Can Kyler Murray get taller? No. Can he get healthier? Probably not. So the question that Arizona has to ask is, what are we getting out of an investment? And nobody knows that answer. Yeah, and I I think the the other big thing too <clears throat> is that like like you said, he he finally got a winning record out of out of this year and whether that's coaching, whether that's the team, and I think that's kind of the other big surprise is it it kind of reminds me as much as I hate to to make the comparison, it kind of reminds me of Dallas. Like they they acquired all of this talent. They had, you know, you think of their wide receiver core this year is DeAndre Hopkins Who's AJ Green? Who now he's not the he's not the AJ Green we know you know mm. in years past. But it's not like he wasn't good. You know he had the the one screw up against the Packers, but you know everybody has at least one. And and then you have Christian Kirk, who you put him in the slot, and it's not like he's been bad for the four years he's been with Arizona. Mm-hmm. Then they went out and they got him Zach Ertz at tight end, and you still have a very good defense. And then you also have. Um, Edmonds and Connor as your running game. Now, offensive line, they retooled a little bit. They got Rodney Hudson. Um, I think they got another offensive lineman. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Um, I think they did. I could. I yeah, could no, they did. They got a couple off. Rodney Hudson was the big one, but yeah, they yeah. got a couple guys. Um, so, I mean, you you think about it. To me, it's like, okay, they, they, gave, they gave Kyler the tools to be better, and that's part of why they won. And so it's like, okay, we've seen the more talent you give him, the better he can do. Like Joe said, you know, 70 passing touchdowns, 20 rushing. But, you know, the big thing is injuries. I think, I think unfortunately, Kyler may or may not fall a little bit victim to what happened to RG3. I think he's so talented and so athletic, and he tries to do so much, and he's not protecting himself. Like that, that would I say, and I, I know Joe is probably going to be a little salty about this. So I'm going to try not to touch on this too much. I would say that is the one success that Russ has had is given the fact that Russ is a mobile quarterback and Joe, you know, you can probably even admit this. This is really the first year we've seen Russ be hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's been in the league 10 years and this is the first time he's ever hurt. And it wasn't even like it was a blow to his legs, it's blow to his, his throwing finger, his throwing mm-hmm. hand. So that, that is a big deal. And so to me, I think if I, if I'm Arizona, I would, I would honestly pitch that, you know, I wouldn't even give him a contract yet. I would say, Hey, look, 
This you know this is a salary cap driven league. You know there are going to be other quarterbacks that are going to get paid. Aaron Rodgers is pretty much really the the dam that's holding back all these free agency moves, all these contract moves on what happens. And then if I remember right, I think Lamar still has to get Lamar. Yep. Yeah. They're still trying to hammer it out. Yep. So that's going to be your other comparison. So really, if I'm Kyler, why do you want a contract now? Like wait until those are settled because you see what Patrick Mahomes got. You see what Dak got. You see what John, you, you see what the market is going to be for you. The number is going to continue to grow. You're going to get your money. Whether or not it's from Arizona or not, that's an entirely different story. They may mm-hmm. not, but you know you could potentially go to another team, even if, say, it's Washington. It, so it's hypothetically, say Washington is able to you know trade for Aaron Rodgers. Do you think Aaron Rodgers has another two years in him? At best. Yeah. By then, hey, Kyler, you could be a free agent. Go to Washington. Maybe they'll be a little bit different. Maybe they could be better because they tool everything around Aaron. Maybe they build around that. So that to me is what is what I would do if it was me. Um, and Aman, I feel like I almost cut you off on this because I didn't even give you a chance on this one. Um, you know, do do you think that there's a ceiling on Kyler? Do you think that there comes a point where Arizona's only ever going to be able to do so much? Because you got to think about it. You give somebody DeAndre Hopkins and you can't succeed with him. That's that to me is kind of a red flag. You give him a better offensive line and it's not like Arizona has what in the last three or four years has had a terrible defense. So that's kind of my second red flag. So do you think that Arizona should move on from him and maybe try something else? Absolutely not. Are, are, are we kidding ourselves? Look, Kyler, is he Patrick Mahomes? No. But is he the other quarterbacks that the Cardinals have drafted in the first round, uh, a.k.a. Jake Plummer, a.k.a. Matt Leinert, a.k.a. Josh Rosen? No. Look, if he wants to go get his money in a long-term deal, how about we do the Patrick Mahomes contract? Don't give him $500 million, but lay it out so his first two years are very team-friendly. He's making less than $30 million, and you can extend him for, say, eight years, and then his contract starts to kick in after this two- to three-year window that you have with DeAndre Hopkins, with Christian Kirk, with A.J. Green and J.J. Watt and company. If that's what you want to do, you do it. But he's going to get his money. And I think to Tony's point, I think Kyler's pushing now because he sees what happened with Lamar. Lamar got hurt twice in this five years that he's been with Baltimore. And I think that's going to hurt. I Should it or should it not, fair or unfair, it could hurt Lamar Jackson. And he's saying, what if I get hurt again? And what if it's not just something I miss two games for? What is something I miss a year for? How much does my bottom line get affected now? I wanted to lock myself up. Kyler Murray, I think we know, is doesn't have this ceiling where of Dak Prescott. I think with Dak Prescott, it's there's only so much you can do with Dak. I think Kyler exceeds. I think he has a better arm. I think he's more mobile, and I do think he's played better than Dak has really since his rookie year. Um, and you also play in the NFC West. The division is not getting easier, right? You still have to deal with the Rams. They're going to have Matthew Stafford. You, if Trey Lance is the future, he's going to be there. If it's Jimmy Grapple for another year, you're still going to deal with the Niners, no matter who the quarterback is. The Seahawks, if they keep Russell Wilson, you're still going to be there. You have your window of, say, two years. If he wants to really be locked up and doesn't really care about the money right now, you can say, hey, look, 
We'll give you this Mahomes-like deal. You could do what Joe said. Here's 225 laid out over eight years. These first two years are going to be team-friendly. They're going to be, you know, 29 million, 28 million, and then you'll see your 35 to 40 million dollars spread out for the next however long. Mm-hmm. I, I, the biggest issue with all of this, and it's the one that we don't want to talk about, but we always talk about. It's his size and his injuries, and it's unfair because we don't talk about big quarterbacks that way. We laud guys like Ben Roethlisberger who played hurt because he was big. We laud guys like Josh Allen who run down the field and take huge hits from linebackers. But anytime Kyler scrambles, people say, well, that's why you got to worry. That's why you got to worry about Lamar. That's why you got to worry about these guys. And it's an unfair thing, but it's true. Like, I'm sorry, the NFL is a league of uncomfortable truths. And the uncomfortable truth with Kyler Murray is if he is healthy and you can guarantee his health, there's probably probably not five quarterbacks in the league that you would take over him. There just isn't age, everything there just isn't. But the problem is we live in an imperfect world. Sorry to break that to you, Tony. I know you usually, you know, you're very optimistic about things, but I hate to bring it to you, but we live in an imperfect world and the NFL is an imperfect league. And Kyler Murray, like it or not, is an imperfect quarterback. And the question is always comes down to value. The team wants value out of their quarterback. Yes, everybody's like, well, the salary cap's going to jump up $30 million in two years. Cool. Quarterback isn't the only position that's going to want more money. Left tackles are going to want more money. Linebackers, safeties, tight ends, wide receivers are all going to want more money. So, yeah, it's cool to have the big number next to your name. But as we've talked about on the show before, Tony, as much as you don't like him, Tom Brady, not the highest grossing quarterback of all time. But you know what? He walked away with the most Academy Awards. Yep. Yeah, I think the one that made the I think Eli is actually the one that career-wise made the most most career earnings, yeah. Which is crazy. Um, And I will say, for you saying that I'm optimistic, I'm probably one of the most pessimistic people in the real world anyway. Oh, did Um, you not catch the sarcasm? I'm sorry. ah, I I should have. I should have, yeah. (laughs) See, I'm not that smart. Um, I I will say I do agree with Joe because you – and I'll even say this, and you you guys can tell me what you think. When you look at Lamar and Kyler – they're kind of like what people are saying about, you know, uh, J- uh, Jay Morant right now. They're small, not mm-hmm. just not just height in build. These are guys that look like me, like they're like they're skinny and you see them and it's like, OK, I've got Kyler Murray, like five foot nine, maybe 200 pounds. And I've got like six foot six, 325 pounds of raw aggression in JJ Watt about to smack the ever loving hell out of you. Like, Mm. mm, yeah, no, that, that doesn't mix. And I I think because Kyler and Lamar are so athletic too, on top of it, like for some of these DBs, for some of these linebackers, you have to go as hard and as fast as you can and just hope that you hit them. Because if you can, you're making a big play, you're stopping them. But if not, then, you know, you're getting burned for, you know, Mm. 50, 60 yards, what, you know, whatever it is. And I, and I think because, you know, we see him scramble, which uh, Dustin brought this up on the morning show last week. And I, I kind of alluded to it too, especially in the Cardinals red uniforms. He looks like a little angry toddler running around in like footy pajamas. And I hold the ball with one hand out here like this. And And, and every meme that you see, it's like Kyler has like a normal football head with like a ball. And then he's just like this big as he's running around the entire field. Um, and it does suck that we, that we have to occlude to size and, but I will say this, you know, that's kind of on them for not 
for not really bulking up. Like, like, you know, you still make millions of dollars, whether you're on your rookie deal or not. And you have all off season, get bigger, get with a nutritional, not, not saying you have to be this, you know, extremely athletic, you know, muscle bound gerbil that, you know, basically walks on your knuckles, but like, you know, you can put some meat on your bones. And then I felt that- like that was a personal shot at me. <laughs> no, no. Um, but, but it's like, you know, yes. Are you probably going to lose some speed or you kind of probably lose what you're known for? Yes. But are you going to be able to potentially develop yourself a little bit better as a pocket passer, maybe kind of step in the pocket, maybe take some of those hits. Yeah. They're still going to hurt because you're going to get hit by basically a moving semi truck, but you're just, you're not going to be able to miss, you know, two or three games because you did that. You'd be like, ah, oh, crap that hurt. All right. Let me, you know, let me keep going instead of, again, I, I equivalent it to the RG three thing. Like our, he reminds me a lot of RG three super talented can run the ball and all it does, it does take that one that one hit because you scramble or because you're doing you're trying to do too much and your career's over because you lose your knee. And the other one to look at is Michael Vick. And I say Michael Vick Michael because Vick Michael Vick has openly spoken about when he was a young quarterback, coaches and other people around the league told him, Mike, you need to learn how to become a quarterback, a passer of the ball. All the other stuff is great. Think of it as the sun as the cherry on the Sunday. But if you can't do a three or five or seven step drop, go through your progressions and get the ball out, you will only have a certain shelf life. Now, to his credit, after prison and stuff, he did improve as a quarterback. He went with Andy Reid. You know, he was a backup in Pittsburgh. He was a starter in Philadelphia. You know, he did have that. But he even said, he goes, if I would have focused on football earlier, and we know what he was focusing on, at least some of the time, then yeah. his career is totally different. And it doesn't matter how many of these guys come out and say, it. like, Michael Vick is literally that, what, number one overall pick, the mm-hmm. same, you know, body type slender guy, ran mm-hmm. around, had a really strong arm, same as Lamar, same as Kyler, and he literally, I mean, you could go see a billion interviews he's done where he's basically looking at those guys and saying, guys, do not do what I did, and they're just kind of like, nah, we're going to do what we want to do. Yeah, and and I, I think that goes to, you know, you, you look at now how much the league has changed. You know, you have so much better athletes, but again, a lot of times it, you know, you you either have to you have to match speed with you know slender speed because you you think of a guy like TJ Watt and you know a lot of people compare him to like LT. Well, you have to think LT kind of matched size and speed both. Like he had the perfect balance. TJ Watt's kind of the same, but I think TJ relies a little bit more on speed. But and you kind of notice with the Watt brothers, you know they're they tend to be hurt a little bit more because to me. They, they don't focus as much on technique and strength as they do on quick bursts, quick cuts to get off the ball. And I think that mm-hmm. I think the same goes for, for the quarterback because Joe's exactly right. I've seen the interviews with Mike Vick. He's like, look, if I – because you think about it, who is Mike Vick always said he, you know, kind of mimicked his game after. You know, Randall, Randall, uh, Randall Cunningham, you know, Warren Moon. You know, these, again, quarterbacks that were mobile, but it's like they never really learned how to be quarterbacks. And it's like, like well, Warren said, did, Warren did. Warren, yeah, Warren, I mean, Randall, Warren did, yeah. Randall got the shaft, but Warren did. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, to me, it's like you, you can be a running quarterback and we've seen it succeed, but if anything, if I'm them, if you want to get more recent to a quarterback that's had success and now look at what's happened to him, Cam Newton, perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kept putting it now into Cam's point. He is a big boy. 
and he put a lot of his body on the line, mm-hmm. but he still played with that same mentality. And that's part of why it's like, I'm not saying just because you're bigger that, you know, just because you can take a hit doesn't mean you necessarily need to. <laughs> Cause if you don't need to take an unnecessary hit, don't take an unnecessary hit, throw the ball away or something. I don't care. But <laughs> yeah, that, that to me is what I think they should do is they need to look at, I need to be, and I'm not saying you always have to be a pocket passer, but you know you have to be quick about it. You have to be smart about it. And again, that's one thing I will give Russ. I think Russ yep. is one of the few that has taken this and is like, this is what I need to do. I don't know. Joe is not a fan Joe's of Russ. <laughs> I, know. I know. But but you but you can say for again, a quarterback in his position for the last 10 years, has Russ really dropped off, at least from a statistical point? Has he dropped off? i choose not not to debate he's playing the fifth he's playing the fifth (laughs) he is he is all right so we'll move into our last topic of the night so obviously we've seen because there are always going to be teams that are quarterback hungry and they there we have organizations like detroit jacksonville jets the giants they churn through quarterbacks like melted butter. Like it's, it's it's sad how many quarterback careers have died because of crappy organizations. Um, so here's the list of the 2022 NFL Combine quarterbacks, and quarterbacks are going to be available in the draft. You have Jack Cohn from Notre Dame, Matt Coral from Ole Miss, Dustin Crum from Kansas, no Kent State, um, Caleb Elby from Western Michigan. Sam Howell from North Carolina, Cole Kelly, Derek King from Miami, Kenny Pickett from Pitt, Brock Purdy from Iowa State, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, Carson Strong from Nevada, Skylar Thompson from Kansas State, Malik Willis from Liberty, Bailey Zapp from Western Kentucky, and uh, EJ Perry from Brown. So, you know, Aman, I'll, I'll start with you. If you could pick three franchises for three of these quarterbacks to go to that you think would have success, what would those three quarterbacks be and where would you put them? So first off, I'd start with Matt Corral and I'd go to Tampa. I I think Matt Corral and Tampa is just a match made in heaven. This kid has an arm. He's not the biggest arm in the draft. I think Malik Malik, uh, Willis has the biggest arm in this draft. But Matt Corral, he's a kid who out of high school was in the same classes. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. We don't talk about those guys' arms. They, everyone said coming out of high school, this kid had the most raw arm talent in that entire uh, class, that class of 2017. And I know the leg injury is going to scare a couple of people away, but he can sit, right? You, If you're Tampa and you don't get Aaron Rodgers, you don't get Russell Wilson, you don't get any of these big-name quarterbacks, you play Blaine Gabbert for a year. Is Kyle Chastity your guy? I don't know. But Matt Corral, we know he can push the ball deep. He sees the – feel with great vision and we know he can see one read and if it's not there we know he can take off and get down he did some great stuff his senior year I thought he was better his junior year even though statistically it wasn't quite there but Matt Corral in Tampa to me again he's a guy who can get through his reads pretty quickly and then also can light the ball up downfield I like him if he can get into a place like uh, Tampa Bay where they like to throw the ball down the field and air raid offense um, the next guy that I have to shout out is Sam Howell uh, Sam Howell out of North Carolina I got to support my North Carolina brethren as I told Joe uh, earlier today about Russell Wilson. Uh, a lot of people are going to compare him to Mitchell Trubisky, fair or unfair, because of the North Carolina thing. I'll let you know right now, I've watched both of them play. Nothing like Mitchell Trubisky, more of a Chase Daniel or a uh, Baker Mayfield kind of mold. And I think that if you give him time to sit, he can be something that you can work with. And for that, you know, I, I picked Cleveland 
because I don't know what you have. And I don't think he is going to be a first round guy anyway. So if you can wait till the second or third round and end up in Cleveland where you're going to have, you know, a similar type of system that's built around Baker, I think that could be something if they don't like Baker Mayfield, this kid, you know, doesn't get hurt. It's a little bit bigger, doesn't move around as much, climbs a pocket well, uh, use, utilizes receiver, a great leader. Again, it could be too close to Baker where they don't want to go with it. They might want to go in a different direction. But that was the other thing um, I said in uh, with Sam Howell. And then I picked Malik Willis for New Orleans. I think New Orleans still has a load of talent. Kid has a huge arm. You can sit there, feed it out. And I think Dennis, Dennis Allen would love to have a young quarterback to build around. Um, and even I said I was between the, them and Pittsburgh. I was between the Saints and the Pittsburgh uh, and the Pittsburgh Steelers because Steelers need a quarterback. I just thought uh, New Orleans has a lot more talent. They run the ball especially well. Malik Willis is kind of a Holmes-ish in the sense that he is very raw, uh, has an incredible arm, uh, and but there's some mechanical inconsistencies there. Again, you sit him, let him learn. He's not going to be ready year one, but by year two, year three, he could be a guy that could be lighting it up. Okay. Joe, what about you? I'm going to piggyback off uh, for your last quarterback there, Malik Willis coming out of Liberty. Um Everything you said is absolutely right. I think of him as like a Patrick Mahomes draft pick. I think of him as an Aaron Rodgers draft pick. All the arm talent in the world, but he wasn't ready to start from day one. So it makes sense to go to a team where he doesn't have to start from day one, but can be the future. That team is the Minnesota Vikings. I think taking him at 12 would be a genius move. You're not. You're either going to trade Kirk Cousins and get a haul because, believe it or not, people in the league do like Kirk Cousins, and then you do not have to start him right away, and he has a chance to learn. I think he fits perfectly with what they're doing. Justin Jefferson down the field. I think you're going to see them. They've invested in the defense. They've invested in the offensive line. It is a young team with some nice veterans. They're going to come up. So I would love to see Minnesota be matched up with Malik Willis. Uh, Kenny Pickett from the University of Pittsburgh. A lot of people consider him the number one consensus quarterback. Um, I, I struggled with this, but I think a place that makes sense, it's actually a team you mentioned him on. I think it's Cleveland. He's 6'3", 217. I think if you're going to move off Baker, you go in the opposite direction. He played at Pitt, so he's not afraid of that weather. Western Pennsylvania is not that different from Northeast Ohio, save for a couple of inches of snow in the wintertime. So I think that's a guy, again, it's really hard to sell your franchise on taking the number one draft pick just a few years ago on a rookie deal, taking another quarterback. Pickett will not be there, but we're not playing that. We're playing best matches. And for me, the third one is, is Derek King. Uh, I asked about him earlier in the chat because he was a guy I kind of remember people talking about and mm -hmm. then all of a sudden nothing. And you guys had kind of informed <laughs> me on that. So to me, he should go to a team with a veteran quarterback, somebody who isn't necessarily solid in their starting position and can learn, you know, kind of that Dak Prescott mold or that Kirk Cousins mold where they come in and they're not going to be the number one guy. But if they have to come in in relief, they've got kind of this moxie about them. The team for me is the Detroit Lions. Jared Goff is not the starter. There's not talks about Jared Goff, you know, getting replaced in 2022. Like they're not going to take a quarterback. What are they? Number two pick in the draft. Like they're probably going to take Hutchinson. They're probably going to take an offensive lineman. So to me, I put King in, in Detroit. Um, is the perfect evolution of beer growth. <laughs> it is really. Um, but again, I, I I put him in Detroit because guess what? You know what? You know what? Bad cities, uh, bad teams love. They love the backup quarterback. You're gonna sell yourself on King. Hey, he played at Alabama. Hey, if he wouldn't have gotten hurt, Miami really could have done something. Hey, if he can just get in there, he can really do something. The city will fall in love with him within one year. So I think King to Detroit makes a lot of sense too. Hmm. Okay. 
I, I'm actually going to throw a couple names out there that you guys didn't mention. And I, I think it's mainly because of the, the style that they played this year in college football, what they've played with in the long run. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my first is going to be Desmond Ritter um, out of Cincinnati. I think honestly the perfect team for him to go to uh, would be new Orleans. And I, I say that because to me, new Orleans kind of reminds Cincinnati kind of reminds me of new Orleans. And the fact mm-hmm. of they have a very good defense. That's one of the few things that they do really well. And he's able to make use of what weapons that he's got there. I think with New Orleans, their big thing is they're going to have to retool their wide receiver room, especially with Michael Thomas just being up in the air. Now, if they don't, I feel like that actually gives him a very decent weapon to work with, um, as well as, you know, they're probably still going to rely on the run game. They still have a very good offensive line. Uh, It's very young. Uh, And again, with the defensive side of the ball, he's going to be solid. So I think really for a place for him to grow, I think for a city that's going to be looking for a new franchise quarterback uh, to try and fill Drew Brees' shoe, maybe Desmond Ritter could be that guy. And again, I think it's one of those, you know, it it would be one of the safer options to go with as far as somebody that, you know, he he plays at a school that's not a power five. And sometimes that's where you get your best quarterbacks out of is those, is those programs that do that. So I think he would be very moldable and very malleable to work with. Um, the other one would be Brock Purdy um, from Iowa state. And it, it's going to sound crazy and I'm going to sound really, really crazy for this. I think to me, one of the best places he could probably go would honestly be Atlanta. Or where were you hoping Joe? I don't want to say. No, zero. Where, where are you going to say? I, I, I was hoping you'd say Green Bay. I just wanted to hear it. No, I wanted, I wanted to hear <laughs> it. No, no, no. Well, well and, and here's why I say this, because when you, you know, and this kind of goes back to our Big 12 thing, What what is a team that they're almost always there, like they always make noise, and it's one of those, again, it's one of the few college programs that's that's always consistent. Like they're never bad, they're never like super great, but they are good and they can make some noise and they play some pretty decent opponents a lot of times. That's Iowa State and that's Brock Purdy. I think the, the two Iowa programs are probably the best as far as they make it work with what they've got. Again, he's not going to be one of those like he's not going to be a big name that's going to come out of there that I think a lot of people are going to expect. And for some reason, him going to Atlanta, I feel like kind of puts him in the same situation with Iowa State because you're in a wide open division. You don't know what New Orleans is going to do. You don't know what Carolina is doing. Tampa has to figure out their quarterback situation. Now, if Tampa can figure out the quarterback situation, that's a totally different story. Then it's Tampa's division wholeheartedly, you know, up and down. Mm-hmm. But I think that puts him in a very easily a, a very good spot in a team that I think is ready to rebuild and I think would be very open to him because, I mean, you got to think about it. This is an Atlanta team that, you know, aside from really, you know, Matt Ryan and Michael Vick, when have they really had that big franchise quarterback that they're like, this is our guy that we can get behind. Scott so, Chandler just entered the chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He was a quarterback of mine. Many oh no, no I, know, I know Scott Chandler. Don't worry, don't worry. I got some. I got some information. Um, and then honestly, I feel like again this this guy, and I, I say this because Colin Cowherd brought it up, and I, I felt like it was a really good point. Kenny Pickett still to me is this year really the year that everything clicked? You got to think he and Amon and I were talking about this before the show. He's either a fourth or he's a fifth year senior. And it didn't click until your very last year 
in a not great conference. Like you don't have to worry about Clemson anymore. Like Clemson has exited the conversation. Like the ACC is open. Take your pick again. So it's like you you couldn't really do anything in the ACC. And what what is the biggest thing that we know Kenny Pickett for? The whole fake, fake, fake slide, you know, fake slide meal thing. It's like yeah, mm-hmm. try that in the NFL and watch what happens. Um, <laughs> You know, obviously, I think there's a lot of people that have him going. I think Pittsburgh is supposed to be like one of the heavy favorites to get him because I yeah. think they want they want to try to keep the the hometown kid in in mm-hmm. Pitts in Pittsburgh. So I mean, I don't think that would necessarily be bad for him. The fact of it's again, it's going to be a well run organization. You're going to have a decent head coach. Again, they're offense is what's going to make me really question it because you know you you do have chase claypool who was solid at least his rookie year he's kind of quiet last year a little bit but i think a lot of that's due to he has to be the number one because tiktok boy is you know it's on people's logos and whatnot getting the smack the, the crap smacked out of him and you know juju juju has fallen off since antonio brown left like somebody pointed it out it's like he hasn't had a single 100 yard receiving game mm-hmm. since antonio brown left no. and i think that speaks volumes to the impact that antonio brown makes as compared to him um i can give y'all two people that i know aren't going to do well in the nfl um that's skylar thompson and one for sure is jack cone my goodness, if nobody watches college football, I watched this kid at Wisconsin. Great. <laughs> he was garbage. And then for whatever reason, Notre Dame was like, we need a quarterback. Jack, come on in. And then what's he do? Gets benched in the middle of the season because he's hot garbage. So mm-hmm. it's like, you actually know what, Jack Cohn? You know what? No, I'm 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 wrong. Go to Detroit. Go be the next franchise quarterback for Detroit. Go go battle with your other half in Jared Goff. You'll be perfect. Like Jack Cohn sounds like the name of a detective on the new show C, uh, CSI Albuquerque. That's- <laughs> yeah, I could see that, or I could even see like a detective on like Law and Order SVU. It's like yeah, Detective Jack Cohn. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, um, y'all just typed in, you know, Pickett has a good pedigree, but I'm not sure he's a first round draft pick. That's the thing. I've read so much stuff online that are like, listen, we've graded these guys out. There's not None a quarterback above the third no. round, nope. but yeah. that doesn't mean that we're not going to see four first round quarterbacks. Like I guarantee you Carolina the- will take a quarterback at 12. Like that's the crazy part. They'll probably reach for one at 12. Mm-hmm. Like that's in, it, it's absolutely insane. And it also goes to show like how inexact all this is because last year we talked about these quarterbacks, like Denver was, should have taken a quarterback. Carolina should have taken a quarterback, you know, um, Carolina takes JC Horn, Denver takes Patrick Sertan jr. You know, and then we see Justin Fields go after him, Mac Jones, go after him, you know, all this stuff. And now wouldn't Denver and Carolina really like to have Mac Jones and Justin Fields? Like, of course they would, but that <laughs> that's not the way that it works. So now you have this, bad quarterback class where you again have high draft picks but mm-hmm. guess what now you're left with as tony said hot garbage yeah and that that was probably the thing that surprised me even as a cowboys fan like i'm not upset that we got micah parsons because thankfully he ended up actually panning out at least his rookie year i hope that continues because jalen smith panned out for the first year and then that went to crap um <laughs> Van Der Esch. so it's like i hope micah pans out but yeah it's like when I saw when I saw Carolina take 
J.C. Horn. I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense because, you know, they have a lot of the young pieces on defense. They have Jeremy Chin. They had Hassan Reddick. They had Brian Burns. I'm like, okay, they're trying to show we are going to be a defensive team first. I'm like, I, I can 1,000% get behind that, get you a young corner to lock down. I, I I can respect that. And then, yeah, Denver comes up, and I'm like, I'm like okay, Denver's obviously going to take a quarterback. Like, this is where we see Justin Fields, Fields go. Yeah. This is where we see you know, Mac Jones go. And it's like, they're going to take Patrick Sertan. And as a Cowboys fan, I'm like, but why? <laughs> like, A, Dallas was going to do that. Like, he knew Dallas was going to do that. That's why they took it. <laughs> that's Probably, the yeah, it's like, screw <laughs> Dallas. But I'm like, but that's not really a position that you guys need. Like, you guys mm-hmm. have shown – you know, you guys have a, either a decent enough quarterbacks coach or just a decent enough, you know, like mm-hmm. turnaround in coaching that you can teach people how to be a quarterback. Like, you know, you've had great corners come through there. You had a keep to leave. You had TJ Ward. Yeah. I mean, I think the reason for Denver taking, I mean, I understood it afterwards because mm-hmm. if you saw him like he obviously looks like a number one corner and we oh, know that the nfl especially in the afc west when you're going against herbert and mahomes and Carr Carter. and these guys who throw you need cornerbacks it, mm-hmm. it's the same thing in the nba where like we just need centers we need bodies to throw it you know Giannis and us it's like okay we just need cornerbacks to throw at pass catchers we don't care if he's going to cover kelsey or hardman or hill or whoever we just need somebody <laughs> yeah and you can't have well, true lock back to throw in for you either <laughs> you know you got to find well, and again, that that's where it's like, you know, if you look at the drafts, like how, how many drafts has there ever been where you're like, there's not really a whole lot of good corners in here. Like, like not saying there's, you know, these all pro all stars like Patrick Sertan, like he, he really is one of those few, like he, you know, for sure he's a number one corner when you see mm-hmm. him, but it's like, yeah, and that's great, but you can find a lot of those or you can find guys that are like decent enough to be able to compete Obviously, you can't find a quarterback like that because you you literally find John Elway finds the tallest broom, and he's like, "I like it because it's tall." That's my starting quarterback. I think, really, John, you haven't had a quarterback since yourself and Peyton Manning. You haven't had one. John, like, that guy looks like a mop. I know. I like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Anthony, you said four QBs might come out of the first round, but who are the four? So I think we're all in kind of general consensus. Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis are definitely going to probably be your top two quarterbacks that yeah. come out. I keep um, hearing about Sam Howell. That's I, I, I think Matt hearing. Corral would be the Matt other Corral one. Corral is probably. probably the third. And we might see five. I mean, we saw Baltimore trade back into the first to get Lamar Jackson. You're telling me a team like – think about it. Cincinnati's at 31. Who would have thought Cincinnati's at 31? If a quarterback is sitting there and they don't want to wait for day two, we know that they need players. We know they need cheap assets. Why wouldn't Cincinnati trade out of the back end of the first round? If there's a – if Desmond Ritter is sitting there and somebody mm-hmm. likes him, you know, something like that, why wouldn't – wouldn't a team trade up with them? So, I mean, you could see some action in the back half of the first round where one of these quarterbacks, we could see five. And, and honestly, you could even see, you could even see a team too that says, you know, Hey, we, we don't need a starting quarterback. But we need a backup quarterback. We're, we're all about, you know, you, you take the Rams, for example, say they're like, Hey, Matt is older. Like we knew what we were getting with Matt. Yeah. We need to potentially yeah. be prepared for the future. We got a second round pick. These guys are still going to be on the board. We'll draft him. 
Like, let's well, not forget Joe Flacco was the quarterback for the Ravens whenever Lamar Jackson was taken. Like, it, yeah. it's not out of the realm of possibility. Again, we talked about Detroit. Why wouldn't Detroit, instead of waiting, you know, for the second round, why wouldn't they trade up a few picks to go get a quarterback to possibly replace Jared yeah. Goff? And especially because they have two, and they're sitting there at thirty-two, they might be like, "Hey, well, we can trade up. We got a mm-hmm. we got a first-round pick we can give you, and we still have the number two overall pick, so we can get our guy that we want. Anything else is just extra bonus at this point." Exactly. Because they also have the Rams picks to negotiate with, too. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a madhouse of quarterbacks. There's so many reaches are going to happen. I mean, and if we're looking at objectively, second round is probably where you're looking at most of these guys falling in any other draft class, if that. But yeah, you're going to see it's going to be it's going to be chaos. And, and I teams, think yeah. – Go ahead. Sorry, Tony. Yeah, sorry. I, and I think that's kind of the, the, the bad part about the NFL now, like, how much people are just really trying to find that next franchise guy. Because you think about it back in the day, these guys would be, you know, Oh, Hey, you know, you know, with like the 78th pick, you know, the Steelers select Kenny Pickett out of pit. Then everybody be like, okay, this is actually a solid pick. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he can learn, you know, maybe if, you know, it works out in preseason or camp, he could potentially be your first, you know, your first round, your first starter, like, like that type of thing. And I, I think now people are so focused on, well, we have to get the quarterback situation right. Yes, but I kind of like the old school mentality of have pieces built, like get an offensive line fix. Like, look, we can have the quarterback all we want, but if it's like Joe Burrow and he's getting hit every 10 seconds, it's not worth it. Not many guys built like Joe Burrow <laughs> you know, to yeah. survive 50 well, sacks. And honestly, take the Colts, for example. Like, yes, you went out and got Andrew Luck. Andrew that was Luck. an extremely smart pick. I'm not going to doubt that at all. But you didn't do anything to build around him or be prepared for him. Like, and and that to me is the mistake. Yeah, I think like, and, and I know we're running over here, but like, I think one of the biggest things is we've seen, like everybody talks about like Patrick Mahomes, like Patrick Mahomes is going to rule the AFC. Listen, we've learned one thing through the history of football, especially modern football, which I consider since basically 2000. The only way, the only way to beat great quarterbacks is to have great teams. Because guess what? There aren't that many great quarterbacks. So you have mm-hmm. to have great teams. I mean, you don't want to draft too high and end up like 49ers. True. But let's not forget the 49ers went to the Super Bowl because they had a great team. Like yes. Colin Kaepernick for his abilities was not a top quarterback in the league. He he was freakishly great in the playoffs, but he was yeah. not what you considered a top five quarterback. But they he had was a great, great athlete. Team. But yes. he was not a great quarterback. Yeah. When they went with Jimmy G, we talked about the pass rush and we talked about the defense and we talked about the run game. And we talked about George Kittle. They were competitive in the Super Bowl because they had a great team. So these high teams, these high draft picks, like you guys said, you're chasing the elite quarterback. Sorry, guys, there's not that many. And that's the, and that's where we get into the whole Hall of Fame thing about guys who are great. Like, you can put up great numbers. That doesn't mean you're a great quarterback. Like, there's only so many of them. And you have to be willing. And, again, we were critical of Denver and Carolina, but – if in three years Denver looks and they get their quarterback, but they have these pieces from the draft, if they have Patrick Sertan as their number one corner, we can look back and say, boy, you know what? It was kind of smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. And then, of course, I do want to highlight this from Brandon. Uh, don't hesitate to reach out to him about um, about the knowledge, the facts, and the information. We appreciate that. And we have great voices for radio, so, I mean – I already got told earlier I look like a poster boy for a, an apparent group, which will remain nameless, a.k.a. Harry Potter. 
reference. Uh, my mother said I always had a great face for radio, so it makes sense. Yay. Face that only a mother could love. <laughs> but it's been another great show. It's been a great night as always. Thank you guys for joining me. Um, thank you guys to everybody that you know commented, everybody that listened. Uh, please like, share, and subscribe to us. Um, we're on Facebook. We're on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter. Um, eventually, we're going to move over to Roku, Apple TV, Tiki Live, um, all these different TV stand. Uh, TV streamings. Uh, we also have an anchor as well. So if maybe you don't want to see our faces and, you know, we have a great face for radio, like great voices. Um, we do have an anchor account as well. So you can catch us on Spotify. You can catch us on pretty much every podcasting platform that you can think of. Um, but again, Aman, thank you for joining me. Definitely appreciate it. Joe, thank you as always. Glad you can make it again. Aman and I were really worried. You were like, just reach in as you're slowly fading away in the background. Like just save yourself. <laughs> just go on without me. We're really worried. And then, you know, like I said, you'll, you'll catch me in the B rated version of super troopers here, you know, in a few weeks, the the film will come out. So you guys is, you guys mustaches are really adorable. I remember when I first went through puberty. <laughs> hey, in my defense, work says I can't grow anymore. Okay. My genetics say I can't. So, you know, that's my excuse. <laughs> You've got that luscious mate, Amon. You, you're winning in life, Mutt. But, okay. You're, you're winning. Look, Amon can have the long hair. You can have the beard. I have the childlike face that religion loves. So it, it, it's fine. <laughs> but. <laughs> everybody have a great night though it's been another great show catch us again next week on wednesday nights and y'all have a good night if i can find what i'm looking for we're making a place, we're talking the game, get you through the days We're high in the court, they're dying in the lane Variety topics, living the same Authentication, sports information In the air, we're staking the nation Sport all plays, they're working your faces Grace at the field, so tie the laces All sports, all plays Next